0: Welcome to TW Now. I'm Scott Winnale. 2018 has been a year of powerful storms and natural disasters, civil unrest and violence, political and electoral surprises, immigration stresses, moral about faces, and international aggression. It's been a year of economic growth for a number of nations. Global oil prices have plummeted in the last few months, as have the values of national stock markets. There have been geopolitical thaws, including between the U.S. and North Korea, and the U.S. and China as of very late. 2019 promises to be just as turbulent in terms of geopolitics, economics, military advances, and moral declines. The respected Economist magazine released its 2019 predictions in its The World in 2019 publication, and we've got a picture of that to show you. Many other sources have their own 2019 predictions. So what does the year 2019 have in store for all of us? And what special insights can the Bible provide? Today's returning guests will give you some food for thought as we look into our own futures in the year 2019 and beyond. Our guests today are returning Mr. Gerald Weston. He's a longtime minister and Tomorrow's World presenter and writer. He's lived both within and outside the United States during his career and has also recently recorded a Tomorrow's World telecast on this same topic that we'll refer you to at the end of the program. Joining us by Skype from England and bringing a European perspective is Mr. John Meakin. He's also a longtime minister, he's a journalist, he's a Tomorrow's World writer as well. He's also studied geopolitics and the relationship to the Bible and Bible prophecy for many years. Gentlemen, welcome, Mr. Weston. Thank you. Mr. Meakin, welcome back. And by the way, if you have questions for us today as we carry out our discussion, please feel free to message us and we'll do our best to get to your questions. Mr. Meekin, let me start with questioning you today. What major trends or events do we need to pay attention to in this upcoming
1: year of 2019? Well, I'd have a go at answering it this way. I think once upon a time, it was the case that Christian values were considered to be the bedrock of Western civilization. I don't really think you could say that today. So my, kind of in a nutshell, I'm entitled this, the trashing of God and his thinking. Now that's been going on for quite a while in all sorts of different ways. But I think one thing we can expect in the coming year is that there will be attempts and there is indeed a kind of a movement uh, throughout society particularly Western society, uh, away from God and away from the thinking of God as it's expressed in the pages of the Bible, and that applies morally, it uh, applies politically, it uh, uh, applies in so many different ways. And in a way it's summed up by a simple sort of statement which is without God you don't believe in nothing, you end up believing in everything. Mm. And I think in a way Uh, The ship of state is adrift on stormy seas, we've cut uh, ourselves adrift from our traditional moorings and uh, we're we're on open seas and we don't really know where we're going. We're milling around and all sorts of troubles are coming our way that you could say might well be avoidable, uh, but that's the way we're headed and it's a turbulent, uh, difficult and stormy way ahead.
0: Okay, so a continuing movement away from God. Mr. Weston, what are your thoughts?
2: I think we're moving into a very difficult time, uh, something that I've never seen in my lifetime, and I've been around a few decades now, as, as Mr. Meekin has. Uh, we're, we're entering a time of, of trouble. Uh, the earth is shifting beneath our feet, so to speak. Uh, we're moving into a, a geopolitical shift, a seismic shift, a moral and a social shift. And when you add all those three together, we really have no idea exactly where we're going to go from one month to the next and so forth. We know the ultimate outcome of things based on certain prophetic uh, utterances in the Bible, but in terms of how we get from here to there, sometimes we don't know exactly. So as we continue with our
0: 35,000 foot sort of view on the future and trends that we're seeing, Mr. Meakin, any other thoughts, any trends, uh, other trends that you see? Yes, I
1: think there's lots of things we could uh, draw attention to, but uh, another one here we might say is corruption of the scientific and political processes. we're supposed to be in the United States a democracy, uh, it is so in, in Britain, EU is supposed to be democratic, and yet in many ways, Uh, democracy has been undermined in different ways uh, both in the political process and in terms of scientific process the process of science is supposed to be very rigorous science one time had a very high reputation but i think the reputation of science even has fallen there's something now called post-normal science which is science made to fit the policy rather than the way it ought to be which is true science determining What the policy ought to be. And that corruption of those two processes, which are um, very vital for modern life, is huge. And I recall, for example, rather famously, President Eisenhower making statements um, towards the end of his presidency where he talked uh, and warned about deep state uh, interests uh, within the United States which were not under the control of the government. And even President Kennedy just weeks before his assassination was talking about forces at work within the nation that he was determined to root out. And of course he was killed not too many uh, weeks later. So uh, an awful lot going on in those two areas. But when I say the corruption of it, I mean, you know, it, it calls itself democracy, but it's not. It calls itself true science. Is it really? That's question.
0: Mm-hmm. Mr. Wesson, another broad-level observation from you.
2: Well, going along with uh, what Mr. Meekin was saying, we live in what we call the information age. Uh, that's how it's been described by, by many. And yet it's infor- in- interesting that the information we're getting, uh, other than on a technical basis, but even on a technical basis, is very corrupt. Uh, the first casualty of it all is truth. And it's very difficult for us to know what the truth is, whether you're talking about global warming, or other uh, scientific uh, endeavors there. Um, <clears throat> we have the, the, uh, the book, The Silencing, by Kirsten Powers. Uh, there are others that have talked about this very thing, that there is a, a political correctness, a, the leftist view. When I say leftist, I want to clarify that so no one misunderstands. When we say leftist, we're not talking about liberal, conservative. We're talking about a radical group out here that is becoming more and more influential yeah. that simply wants to squelch any other opinion, squelch, let me try that again, squelch any other opinion that's out there. And this is very frightening in a way because uh, people have been taken to court, uh, people have lost their businesses, and uh, they've been censored, they've been put down in many different ways simply for believing something different than the quote politically correct view. That's powerfully ironic, isn't it? You, you mentioned how
0: the search for truth is is there, but we're not being provided with that truth. Yet today, we have more information at our fingertips than at any time in history from, from more sources. Mm-hmm. It's just really amazing that we, we can't find truth in all of that.
2: Well, and when you look at the internet, uh, look, look what people believe. We have a larger proportion of our population now that believes the earth is flat which um, uh, that's because they've read something on the Internet and somebody looked believable. Uh, We have all kinds of conspiracy theories out there. And honestly, when you look at uh, just a a sound mind is lacking there. In our age today, when you can literally travel in an airplane 17 and a half hours without ever landing uh, and travel around the world, for someone to think that the Earth is flat is is simply uh, bizarre. Mm -hmm. but more and more people are believing that and a whole host of other conspiracies based on false information on the Internet.
0: Mr. Meek and Mr. Weston's comment reminds me of something you actually said in an email to both of us as we were preparing for this program. You were referencing sort of one of the tenets of journalism, and it made me especially chuckle because you're a journalist, Uh, and I I wonder if you might share that with us.
1: Well, there's an old statement, which, first of all, know your sources. Uh, but secondly don't believe everything in print. You have to test it and um mm-hmm. just because it's in print it, it, it the very act of being in print lends it an authenticity which doesn't necessarily always pertain. So you really have to be quite circumspect and check sources and check uh different number of sources to make sure um, that you're in the right area. Yes. Can I well, step in one more while we're at? It? Um it seems to me we live in a very addicted world. Uh, we all know about drugs, and there are many people, sadly, who are afflicted with uh, with that. But gambling, it's absolutely an explosion of gambling. Online betting is huge now, uh, whereas a few years ago it wasn't there at all. Uh, electronic gaming, think of, um, think of children and teenagers and even adults with... Thumbs that go, I don't know how they do that. Mine would fall off. (laughs) (laughs) The things you can do as you operate a computer controller and uh, get hooked on on gaming is amazing. Um, Sex in all of its forms. Uh, Think of Harvey Weinstein. Think of um, Jimmy Savile over here. uh, Texting on mobile devices, I mentioned that. But even sports and entertainment, all these things can become very addictive. It's, it's something about human nature we get into something and uh, I was saying I get addicted to uh, jigsaws for example I hope I would be forgiven for that but the mantra is of oh, just one more piece gamblers is oh, just one more time sex is well just one more and there's something in human nature that does that um, we're seeing a lot of it I think we're likely to see a lot more
0: I agree Let me ask both of you, and I'll come to you first, Mr. Weston. Let's look at some trends and where they may take us in 2019. We've sort of given an overview here, but where are we going? Where will some of these trends lead us? And they may be trends that you've just talked about, or they could be other things. We are seeing events happen all around the world today. Even as we talk and we speak, big things are happening. Where are they going to take us? What should we expect to see in 2019 and beyond?
2: Well, I'm glad you say 2019 and beyond because we, we simply don't know. Uh, we can't limit it to a one-year period of what's happening. When we look at it geopolitically, uh, we, we're in for a storm. Uh, alliances are changing. Uh, the recent decision by Mr. Trump to pull out of Syria has a lot of people very concerned. Uh, it may or may not be a good idea. I'm not here to, uh, to judge that, but what, it, what I can say is that uh, that has implications for a lot of things. Uh, Italy is, uh, is struggling, has been for a long time economically. France is is now in the throes of uh, rebellion. Uh, Brexit, which Mr. Meakin can speak on much more so. But there's a realignment of uh, of nations. And Germany, a very interesting article that I read recently, Uh, written by a German source, pointed out that it's all-or-nothing approach, which has been the approach of the Germans for the last 150 years, plunged the world into two world wars. And they're taking that same approach toward the the British in the the Brexit. So uh, we're in for a, a huge geopolitical shift and alignments that once were are falling and others are being formed. We we have to, as you mentioned
0: earlier, be very careful with the news and with predictions and things like that. At the same time, some of the rhetoric that is being used is very attention-getting, and not just from a sensationalist perspective. It it really harkens back to history. And we know history often repeats itself. I saw a headline this week, the French Fifth Republic sinking fast with no lifeboat in in sight. Mm -hmm. And so you've got commentators saying, is this going to be the end of an era as we know it? Uh, We'll have to see. But those are really sobering to consider. Mm -hmm. Mr. Meekin, what are
1: your thoughts? Well, to pick up on that theme a little bit, it takes me back to um, the senior Mr. Bush, who has recently died. And when he was president, and was that not around Gulf War time and so on, he said that within our grasp, he said, we have a new world order. And he defined what he meant by that in reference to democracy, uh, the rule of law, and liberal values as opposed to uh, despotic values and it seems to me that that's in a way what has uh, has come through but it seems to me that's crumbling before our very eyes in a host of different ways uh things are breaking down um the bible talks about that doesn't it? A time for breaking down a time for building up <clears throat> and it seems to me we are uh moving into a time of great disruption and may i say i think that mr trump himself has been described as the great disruptor because he is pursuing a, an agenda upon which he was elected, which is worldwide in its impact. Think of the, the things he's doing in connection with China, with Korea, uh, with the European Union, uh, in, that, of course, in Israel, in all sorts of ways. So I think we're in for a very rough run, and um, an awful lot will be happening. But I will make one prediction Mr. Trump will continue to be unpredictable.
0: Probably will come to pass. Let me ask you both, we'll take just a step aside here. We've got a question that has been sent in on Facebook. It says, there seems to be more hatred and intolerance of people that believe there are moral absolutes. What will happen as political correctness becomes common and true Christianity is persecuted?
2: I'd like to jump in on that. Please do. When I first began to understand the Bible, Uh, some some 50-some-odd years ago, back in the the 60s. I could not understand the prophecies of the Bible that talked about how we would be hated of all nations for His name's sake, people would be. Uh, How persecution could possibly come about. We don't have to wonder anymore. It's there. It's already happening with uh, a baker in uh, uh, Colorado, uh, a florist up in Oregon or Washington, I think it's Oregon, Uh, It's happening not just in this country here, it's happening in Canada. Uh, People are being called before tribunals, which the very sound of uh, tribunal, it it sounds rather scary. Uh, They're being fined. They can be thrown into prison, whether that's actually happened or not, but I know they've been fined for for simply publishing the truth and referring to the Bible. And the Bible has been considered by a... uh, the Supreme Court of uh, British Columbia uh, that it can be in some contexts hate literature. Now, that's pretty chilling. We're living in the post-Christian era in North America for sure, and uh, I think that we're we're looking at a very difficult time for any who believe the, the the things we find in the pages of the Bible. And I think it's a time for courage for people to stand up. Well, it's amazing you
0: you look into the news and most of the popular press doesn't pick up on what's happening to those who are called Christians or who call themselves Christians in other parts of the world. I think of in the Muslim world, there have been uh, people who identify with Christianity for millennia, Mm -hmm. and yet they're being slaughtered all over the Mm -hmm. world right now. Very
1: Mm true. Um, Thinking back to, I'm thinking of Darwin and uh, evolution and some of those writers who supported him and there's one in particular that escapes me for the moment, who said, we didn't like the thought of there being a God up there telling us what to do. Mm -hmm. So we decided on a way of getting rid of him, which was the theory of evolution. Now you think to what followed the theory of evolution was Nietzsche, who went mad by the way, but he was the one who declared that God is dead. And if God is dead, there is no law. And if there is no law, we can essentially do what we please. Now, it is that, I think, is the nub of it, that we're in a time when people don't like to be told what to do. The very idea that they should submit to a God who says, you know, let us hear the conclusion of of life, which is fear God and keep the commandments, people rail at that, that's just not right. I have my human rights, I can live the way I please. But that scripture goes on to say that, you know, that's the purpose of life, but then it says, and after that, the judgment what you mean a god is up there declaring that he can judge human beings for how they behave now that is what lies right underneath all this stuff of getting rid of them and now you can be condemned not just for what you've done not just for what you may have spoken but even for the way they think you think and that's scary
0: well let's go with that for a minute because we are moving into this post-christian world we are in it aren't we where uh, people don't want to hear from god they don't want to go in that way they don't want to be told what to do as you've said where will this take us what does this portend for our societies in the future years this year certainly but beyond this year
2: well underlying mankind's rebellion against his creator is god uh, is the man does not want to be told what is right and what is wrong, especially on the subject of sex and that 's very clear from Romans the first chapter mm-hmm. that when they reject God, they get into all kinds of sexual uh, misbehaviors and it 's amazing how fast these things happen uh, same sex marriage was uh, being promoted, and as soon as that was pretty well accepted across the Western world, it almost instantly morphed into the tran- uh, transgender movement and all these things have consequences. Uh, man can reject God's law, but there are consequences to these things. There's unhappiness, are disease, there are all kinds of problems. God is not against mankind. He, he wants us to, to live a happy and, and joyous life. But uh, the, the, under, the, uh, the result of all this is uh, a, a moral uh, drift, not drift, but a, just a sinking of the morals of our society. And as those go down, the family goes, and as the family goes, uh, all kinds of order uh, go with it. Mm -hmm.
1: Definitely. I think you can also look at that at different levels, uh, the level of the individual and at the level of, shall we say, individual societies, but also in a a pan-societal way. And What I'm thinking of here is the whole background to uh... for example the climate change movement which takes us back to the club of rome and agenda twenty one and sierra club these are people who don't necessarily believe in god or godly values but have, have looked at things humanly and decided that we can't go on as we are doing and we must put in place means of changing it well when you look behind the global warming agenda uh, or the climate change agenda, the they changed the name. You see some horrific things, a part of that, shall we say, godless program. God is not in the Paris Agreement <laughs> document, which I read thoroughly, but the, the earth goddess Gaia is, in the preamble. <laughs> and and Maurice Strong and the others who, who produced all this stuff go back a long way, they were not believers in God, they were human beings taking The world as they saw it into their own hands and deciding, okay, we're going to try and solve it. One thing that's coming up is population control. Now, how 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 is that going to be handled? There's some really alarming predictions now, uh, or or, uh, plans being voiced by the green movement, which is part and parcel of the same thing. And I don't believe, for the life of me, that, and I'm not alone, lots of people, that uh, carbon dioxide is the enemy. Uh, I think. It's the sun which drives everything. Carbon dioxide is our friend. Uh, carbon dioxide is not a poison or a pollutant. Could I just say, do we know that in every person's lungs there are 6% carbon dioxide, without which we would be dead in five minutes? Because we need that carbon dioxide to uh, allow the oxygen in the lungs to get into the blood. It has to be a slightly acidic thing. But, but that's what they're doing. Now that's declared it's a political uh, motive is not not true science and all this is scary you know you and i will pay for it by money that's taken away from us to pay for it but increasingly that comes down to, to jobs and uh, as i say even if it will impact the family because that movement leaves and it's really a godless movement frankly that um the world is overpopulated, and we've got to do something about it it's scary
0: Right, and if you if you get rid of a biblical morality, then it's okay to reduce global populations by whatever means, because there's no standard of right or wrong, or um, murder's not wrong. Let me ask you, gentlemen, to take us into the Bible a little bit. The Bible does give us insight, uh, not on lots of details but it gives us insight on the trajectory of world events and where things are going to lead. And so, let me just ask you that. Mm -hmm. What what does the Bible tell us? What are some of the things the Bible tells us about the future? Um, Not
2: necessarily 2019, although it could be, but certainly beyond. I think one of the interesting uh, parts of Scripture show that the Jews would be in Jerusalem and that all the world would be gathered together against them. We take that for granted, that Israel today, as it's called, uh, is, uh, is a pariah in, in the world. We don't realize, uh, because there's only so much time that any one of us is on this earth, unless we study history a little bit, that from 135 A.D. until 1948 at least, but even beyond that, in 67, the Jews did not control all of Jerusalem. Uh, so this prophecy could not have taken place uh, that we read there in uh, Zechariah the 12th chapter, Zechariah the 14th chapter, that all nations would be gathered against Jerusalem and the Jews would be there. It's clearly after Christ's first coming because chapter 12, I think it's verse 10, refers to Christ as being pierced, uh, referring to His crucifixion. So uh, this is something that could not have been fulfilled for centuries. And now we see what the Bible describes very clearly there uh, in our news all the time. So Israel will continue to be a pariah. Uh, there will be attempts to bring peace. There will be no real peace there. I think that one of the prophecies I know says that peace, peace, when there is no peace, then sudden destruction. So we may see a, some sort of a peace treaty that people rejoice over. But what we can expect is that uh, the little nation that we call Israel is going to be under attack all the way to the very end. And uh, the, the, uh, the result of that is going to be horrific uh, before it's over. And there will be a, <clears throat> a fight against our very Creator. And it's indicated in, Reve- in uh, Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22, that it's going to get so bad that no life on this earth would survive, except for our Creator's mm-hmm. intervention.
0: Okay,
2: is this going to happen in 2019? Uh, <laughs> I I would predict that uh, Jerusalem will still be a troubled spot, but uh, no, that that'll take a little bit longer for that to occur. Okay. Uh,
1: okay. Go okay ahead, directly, directly going on from that, um, all of these trends uh, take us in a particular direction, but they're also symptomatic of where we are as well, and I think the perspective, Mr... Um, 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 <laughs> Weston. I forgot his name. <laughs> Mr. Weston. <laughs> so I do I forget my own name sometimes as well. Mr. Weston referred to... Yeah, we're
2: good friends if anybody has any <laughs> doubts about that. we. It, it's just age is catching up with uh, my dear friend, Mr. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, Mr. <laughs> Meakin. <laughs>
1: um, there's an apt description. Um, I'm glad that Mr. Weston uh, referred to where we where are we at in human history. Well, the Bible has a perspective where it talks about we're coming to the end of an age of man, and and then transitioning. This is the good news into a new age, a new world order, if you like, of Jesus Christ re- uh, returning and reigning on the earth. And conditions prior to that time are out of control from God's perspective. Moving in the wrong direction and getting worse might I just just quote to you uh, Timothy uh, The book of 2nd Timothy, which is Paul's description Of prophetically what would happen in the last days. And he puts it this way For men or people would be lovers of themselves you see, We don't any longer love God, but we love ourselves lovers of money. That's greed boasters proud blasphemers swearing Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, uh, unforgiving, I'm doing them all here, traitors, heady, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's a, such an apt description of not just what's happening but a trend that's going on in society. And, and so is the next one having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's very intriguing. And really, Paul's point there is that's the way the world is. And in the context of what he's talking, he's talking about that invading the very churches which should be resistant to it. And I think that's a huge issue for the time in which we live. Mm-hmm.
0: Let me ask you another question here. This is actually sent in by Facebook as well. And it may take a little bit of a definition or defining. The question is, is the, tribula- is the tribulation happening in parts of the world presently? And maybe it would be helpful to define what the Tribulation is
2: from a Biblical perspective first. Mr. Weston? Well, from the Biblical perspective, uh, Tribulation has to do with times of of very great trial. Uh, There are parts of the world, obviously, that are going through terrible tribulations. Uh, You could take the Second World War and one of the Nazi death camps, uh, that was Tribulation for them. But the Bible is referring to a period of time, about two and a half years of Satan's rebellion, uh, and in uh, his his time of trying to destroy um, the people of God and, and mankind in general, he would like to destroy all mankind. Uh, he's cast back down to this earth, as it's described in Revelation, the, the 12th chapter. Uh, there's also the day of the Lord, which is God's wrath, where He steps in and uh, deals with rebellious mankind, so there's a three and a half year period altogether, but the tribulation no, it has not begun in the world today. A lot of people think sometimes it has their local times of tribulation simply because of the meaning of the word. there's the, the tribulation capital T, then there's just the, the word tribulation that could say, "I'm going through a tribulation right now." And that
0: three two and a half three and a half year period you're talking about that is that right? prior to
2: the return of Jesus Christ? That leads up to the return of Jesus Christ. So once we hit a tribulation, we're really close. We'll know because even before the tribulation or what really helps us to understand the, the beginning of it, in Daniel 11th chapter, it speaks of three periods of time, 1,360 days, 1,290 and 1,260. And the 1,290, there's something called the abomination of desolation that's set up. Something that will happen in Jerusalem uh, in a holy site, uh, the cutting off of sacrifices and the setting up of some sort of a an, an idol as uh, that of Jupiter Olympus was under Antiochus as a forerunner. And uh, so that will be uh, at the beginning and, and 30 days later the tribulation will begin. Mm.
1: Okay. Um, a fascinating, fascinating question actually. Um, I think there is a difference in a way or also not just a difference but a uh, what's the word a correspondence between matthew 24 and revelation 6. matthew 24 talks about the signs that would lead to the return of christ and it's interesting how each one of these signs that are given it says but the end is not yet in other words some of these signs leading up to christ's return which includes tribulation after all if you were in jerusalem 69 and 70 a.d you were definitely in tribulation because if, if you remained alive and remained in Jerusalem, the Romans were intent on slaughtering you. <laughs> I'm not laughing, but uh, you know, that's just the way it is. So, um, you know, famines, pestilences, wars, earthquakes, all these are the beginnings of sorrow. Because um, Christ is projecting forward from the time he's saying that on into uh, the future and to the end of the age. But Revelation is different in the sense that um, uh, in chapter one, uh, God is giving a vision to John of the time of the end and the time of of God's intervention in the affairs of man. Now that's when the four horsemen of the Apocalypse ride. I realize those events have happened right the way through history. But what it's referring to in John 6, which, of course, following the four horsemen there is tribulation. And this is Mr. Weston's point. I'm in tribulation now because I forgot his name, but tell you what, there's nothing in comparison with what's coming. <laughs> uh, it's talking specific. I think it's talking specifically about what really happens right at the beginning, on the cusp of this day of the Lord, which is the focus of uh, Revelation's attention. Yeah, there's a certain duality
2: that we find in prophecy. And very clearly, uh, there's duality there in terms of uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter. And those signs were the first four or five there. It says, uh, these are the beginning of sorrows. Uh, that's, that. There's a duality. It was the beginning for those that lived in Jerusalem in 70 AD. But it also sets the pattern for the later event. When Revelation kicks in, when Revelation 6 kicks in with the... Uh, <clears throat> the the first horse, and so forth. There will be a definite uh, secondary fulfillment of it.
0: Let me ask you one more question. I'd like to hit on one more important issue as we think about the end of the age, but actually more specifically 2019 and beyond, and that actually is Europe. Europe is huge on the world scene right now, and it's impacting our lives here in the US. Certainly, you're, you're in the midst of it there in the UK. What does the future portend for Europe? What's going to happen in Europe? And I'd like you to tie in some of the Bible as well, because the Bible does give us some indicators on some of the events that could be happening in Europe. Let's take a couple. Well, I'm glad you've asked.
1: I'm glad you've asked. Have we got another hour? (laughs) (laughs) Just just a tad. (laughs) Well, the EU is in shock. uh, Partly because it was never designed that anybody who joined the EU would leave it. And it wasn't until oh, one of those later iterations of the legislation that they even put in there a clause article 50 that a, a nation could secede or leave the eu well that's what brexit is all about that's what britain is trying to do and oh dear uh, what a mess um you know i find it very hard to remain engaged with it because it this goes on and on and on and on and, as I think was hinted at earlier on, the EU is protecting itself. I don't, they don't, I don't necessarily think they're trying to persecute us, well, sometimes I do, but from their perspective, they are protecting the grand project. And the project really is a, a federal, federated Europe in the area of the old original Roman Empire. And this has huge prophetic implications for the time ahead. Now, a lot of the attention is focused on what it's going to do to Britain if, if and when we finally break free from Europe, but equally, equally, the question is what will happen to the EU when we leave, because there are others in not very good shape. Italy uh, mm-hmm. is um, in a very precarious state vis-à-vis uh, its place in the euro. they want to leave the euro. Macron and France were in perhaps not too bad a shape, but then when they had all these recent um, uh, demonstrations by the Yellow Jackets, uh, he bought them off, and now the French economy is is as bad as as Italy. So it's, it's creaking at the seams, and a lot of people will say it is impossible in the long run for the Euro to survive in its current form because it was nakedly put in place to achieve a political end. Now, from a prophetic point of view, we have some very clear guidance in the book of Revelation of uh, a power arising in the uh, area of Rome, Roman dominance ethically into the future, which would be a union of 10 kings or 10 leaders or 10 rulers, or whatever it works out. At the moment the EU is not that. the EU is 28, without Britain it's 6 to 27, but the question is how do we get from 27 to 10? What geopolitical upheavals and earthquakes could possibly bring about such a fundamental change as you know to trans- transform Europe from where it is now to where it will be prophetic? And uh, we, we have articles and we have literature on that, which is very significant. That's one of the linchpin prophecies that I think we've looked at for very, very many years and it's amazing really right before our eyes now we see um the the kind of events that, that are happening i think britain is due to leave by the end of march and uh, mrs may kicked into the long grass uh, effectively delayed by a month the final vote of parliament which is expected to reject the the divorce proceedings which are all about paying the eu 40 billion pounds or more for the privileged privilege of, of, of leaving, and uh, the tentacles of the EU are, are all over it, and we fear that the way certain things are, are phrased, it will be impossible to fully break through. Britain. so Britain's future is prophetically very important because the Bible talks about the time of Jacob's trouble, and that, that's a, a cue for another of book to discuss the identity of Britain, but also because Europe has to fundamentally change as well. So we would say, for, for, particularly for, for this year, coming year of 2019, it's going to be a pivotal year. It's mm. the year Merkel will be replaced, and uh, a lot more. Mr. Weston, did you have a comment as well?
2: Uh, just briefly, I think that one of the interesting things that's happened in the last couple of years is the, the Britain pulling out of the European Union. Now, whether they're able to fully pull out, uh, they, they may be still enslaved by them in many ways, but this work, has predicted for decades that Britain would not be among the final 10 that are coming about. And as Mr. Mecham was pointing out, I think what we're seeing right now is the, the conditions that are going to create this final 10.
0: Okay. Well, gentlemen, we've reached the end of our time for today. As you, as you mentioned, Mr. Meekin we could go on for hours with this. We're, we're just warming up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the weather? No, I'm teasing. <clears throat> What are, I would like you to leave us with a takeaway message. If you would each, please, uh, we'll start with you, Mr. Weston, share one thing you would like the audience to walk away from this with in terms of their perspective on what could happen in 2019 and beyond.
2: I think that the simplest thing for me to say is this is going to be an exciting year. Uh, look for surprises. I think that from a biblical perspective, there are surprises down the road. We have a general overview of what's going to happen, but there are going to be things that happen that we don't expect that will bring about the conditions that we read of in the Scriptures.
1: Okay, Mr. Meakin. Well, I think going along with that, I would say you can either watch what's happening in 2019, as it were, outside of it and just like look on it as an observer some of the trends are very scary we can end up being very scared by what's going on or we can really take the lesson and the lesson really is a question the question is is God at the center of your life if he's not well that will have certain consequences but if God is at the center of our lives he has that power to strengthen us and encourage us. And the great message of the Bible is good news, not bad news. But bad news has to precede the good news. And <clears throat> the whole purpose really of all this is that God wants us to change our lives and be in harmony with his way of life in the midst of a world which is proceeding in the opposite direction. So I, I would say, keep listening to what you're hearing from tomorrow's world. It's outstanding. Uh, it's faithful to what the scripture says. But don't just do it as a passenger or as an observer, but try to take these things to heart and let them change you because that will be for the better overall and will make you stronger. And well, to be in harmony of God is the place to be. Thank you, Mr. Meakin.
0: Thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us today, Mr. Weston. Thank you for being here as well and for your insights. As global events play out, many of the trends we're watching today will continue. Military build-ups, an increasing number of powerful world leaders, regional, political, and military alliances, more impactful natural disasters, as we've talked about, and more will dominate the news cycle. What is important as we watch world events is that we know what the Bible predicts will happen. It's through the lens of Bible prophecy that we can better understand what we're witnessing today. One of the keys to understanding world events and anti prophecy is understanding who the British descended peoples are. That understanding alone can help you more accurately view world events. Through a thoughtful history of the British descended peoples, we describe what could happen in the future, and using the pages of the Bible, make that clear. We'd like to point you to our booklet, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. You can find this on tomorrowsworld.org. You can order it or you can download it, and this will give you insight and help you understand what is going on and what will go on in the future. You really can understand what will happen in 2019 and beyond. And to help you do that, we also recommend that you view our current Tomorrow's World telecast entitled 2019 in Bible Prophecy. Mr. Weston hosts that particular show. You can also find that at tomorrowsworld.org. For more answers, please do stay tuned to TW Now. And next week, if you'll join us again, we plan to answer the question, is today your last chance for salvation? Please join us again next week.